Live from the capital of the Commonwealth, this is the Sports Huddle with Bob Black on 1061 ESPN. We're also streaming live at ESPNRichmond.com and on the iHeartRadio app. Call in and talk with Bob anytime at 327-0888. Now, here's Bob Black with the Sports Huddle on 1061 ESPN. Well, the buzzer has sounded or the uh, bell has rung. And I don't mean the stock market bell, although that probably rang a couple of minutes ago at 4 o'clock also. I don't know if it was up or down today, but it was kind of the down day in the National Football League. It was cut down day, and the 4 o'clock deadline has now come and gone in the National Football League, and rosters are at their 53-man max heading into game one, but as several general managers have already cautioned, it's a fluid 53-man roster. Things can still happen to that roster, and of course, many of the guys who, unfortunately for them, got cut today uh, could wind up on practice squads, either of the teams that cut them or of other teams, without a doubt, and there were some a flurry of trades, nothing major, but uh, certainly a flurry of trades. Kickers seem to be a popular commodity this time around. Um, and there will be more movement on the rosters, but this will get them to the 53 that they can keep on that roster. The stock market was up, by the way, today. In case you're interested, I just checked. It was well into the green. So the closing bell on Wall Street went up. The closing bell on the NFL went down to 53 there's your uh, business of sport analogy for today hey welcome to the program bob black with you here on a tuesday afternoon aj in our espn richmond studios he's producing it would be the first voice you would hear at 804-327-0888 before we get you on the air with us that is also our text line as well at 327-0888 so the uh, commanders uh, obviously made all of their all of their cuts, and again, we caution all of this with um, it, it could still change. I don't know that it would change dramatically, but I do think that it, it could definitely change moving forward. Um, I had their list of cuts up here. Hang on one second while I multitask a little bit here. Uh, the top names, I guess, that were cut, uh, Jake Fromm at quarterback, which I guess is what we – all expected, but the commanders made it official that they will just go with the two quarterbacks. That would be AJ's Jacoby Brissett and everybody else's Sam Howell. And Sam Howell will be the starting quarterback. First team! <laughs> but now you'll be watching intently, right, to see when that snap occurs. Not that anybody's wishing an injury on anybody or hoping a guy goes down, but we all know it, AJ, in that league. And every other league, for that matter, you're only one snap away from being the starter. And Jacoby Brissett will certainly have that mindset going into this thing for a variety of reasons. It doesn't necessarily have to be injury. It could be a really bad game. It could be a couple of consecutive interceptions, a fumble, a misread or two. And we'll see how long the leash is on the second-year quarterback of the Commanders. Sam Howell, who's really a first-year guy, obviously just played in that one game last year. So I think you still got a chance at that. However, your bold, brash prediction, and I give you credit for that, 
from way back in the 95-degree sweltering weeks, days, and months of the summer was that Jacoby Brissett would be the starting quarterback on opening day. Barring something totally dramatic and traumatic, AJ, that's that's not going to happen. I'm sorry. You know what's funny is, you know me, I'm kind of a big softy. I kind of feel bad for Sam because I've been so against him. So I'm like low-key quietly rooting for him to do well because I feel bad. Well, maybe that was the reverse jinx that he needed to do well. There you go. The... And maybe this is a reverse jinx for him. Maybe. <laughs> maybe. That is possible. No doubt about that. Uh, the other name, I guess, and uh, Matt and I talked about this uh, yesterday, was Jared Patterson, the running back out of Buffalo, uh, the little guy who could. Um, so his time ran out with the commanders. Now they could they could keep him on their uh, practice squad. Derek Gore was the other running back that they cut today so they, they cut both of them and they're keeping three they'll go with three on their opening day at the moment active active roster so i would say those were the two big names on the commander's front and we'll continue to scroll the wire and i'm sure we'll come up with uh rosters for all of these teams as we move forward um i think matt mentioned this name because i didn't know it either but Mitchell Tinsley uh, made the 53-man yeah. roster. He's a wide receiver, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and look, not to cut you off, that brings me to a question I wanted to ask you. I almost asked Matt, and he was on a run. With the 49ers and what happened with them last year, is it smart to have eight wide receivers and two quarterbacks? Because that's what the commanders have? Yep, Tinsley, yeah. with that signing, that's the eighth wide receiver. Yeah, which is surprising because they are you know top-heavy strong. At wide receiver, right? I think we all believe they have you right. know, certainly three of the top wide receivers in the NFC, if not in, in the NFL, quite frankly. So I, I don't know the answer to that, and I don't know you know, the situation surrounding what the commanders believe would be that quarterback option if one of those two guys does get hurt. But that is a lot of uh, wide receivers. I'm, I'm counting one, two, three, four, five. Well, I only get seven. It's Brown, Dotson, McGowan, yep, McLaurin, right. Mine, Pringle, Samuel, Tinsley. How many did you count there? Eight, I think. One. I'm only counting seven. And, and this is numerically, but Jahan yeah. Dotson, De'Ami Brown, Curtis Samuel, Dax Milne, Byron Pringle, Terry McLaurin, Mitchell Tinsley. Did I leave somebody McGowan. Out? McGowan. Why don't I see that Cyric, name? I'm looking at the, the roster depth chart. Unless, yeah, I'm looking at the depth chart now. The the uh, Washington, it's on their website. Huh. Well, I, I'm looking at. <laughs> we need a source here, AJ. We I think I'm on ESPN, too. I'm looking at the commander's Twitter feed at the moment. Okay. As, that is, that as Matt mentioned, they they did a nice job graphically. It's very graphically pleasing and, and easy to read. I'm looking at this website. You might have heard of ESPN.com. <laughs> so this could this could be uh, before the cuts. I'm sorry. Yeah, it may be. So, but we're we're on the same page here. Howe and Brissett are the two quarterbacks. Robinson, Gibson, Rodriguez, three running backs. We I, I mentioned seven. Wide receivers. Here's why, because they've got four tight ends. That seems like exactly. a lot. Yeah, they kept Curtis Hodges, plus Logan Thomas, Colt Turner, and John Bates. So four tight ends at the moment. Three, four, five, six, seven, nine offensive linemen. That seems to make sense. Defensive side, three, seven defensive ends and four defensive tackles. That makes sense to me. The linebacking core, Hudson, Mayo, Davis, Barton. Uh, cornerbacks and safeties, you got uh, five of each. That seems right. And then uh, your specialists 
um, Tressway, the punter, and Joey Sly, the kicker. So I don't think there are any great surprises in that one. Like I said, I will admit Mitchell Tinsley is not exactly a game that, name that I knew a lot of at that wide receiver position. And there's probably an O-lineman or two that I really didn't pay too much attention to that made this team. Um, I'll be honest with you. I can't honestly think kicker and punter aside, any other position that a team has ran out of in the game except for quarterback. And teams continue to do this to quarterback. Yeah, but there's that new rule now that if you are, again, you'd still have to be a quarterback on the 53-man roster. If you're inactive on game day and one of them gets hurt, you can't activate them during the game. So right. they'll be they'll be in uniform. But the, the commanders don't have that person at the moment. So, I mean, they're, my they're, boy Colt McCoy's flying around there. He, he, he is, and he's not going to be playing against the commanders on opening day now for the Arizona uh, Cardinals, who don't have Kyler Murray, who's still recovering from that knee injury. They, there's just no way they're losing that first game. Yeah, Matt, they called me. Arizona called me. I was like, no, I don't want to play quarterback. I got work to do. And they're like, all right. I will, might yeah. be at the game, though. Yeah. I thought you will be at the game, won't you? Maybe I got other engagements. Uh, it's, you always do. I'm going to be honest. It's the Cardinals game. It uh, is. I mean, I do. The, the NFL certainly did the Commanders some favors this time around uh, with the schedule. At least the first game. After that, there's there are some challenges out there. Going to Denver, you got Philly in there. There are some challenges uh, in that first four or five games. But the first one should get them off on the right foot at home. It'll be a feel good moment. Uh, hopefully, they fill out, fill up, sell out the place, fill it up. Uh, it's still a dump. It's still FedEx, but you can make it a fun place. As we used to say in Philly with with Veterans Stadium, which, yes, was a horrible place, uh, it, it's a dump, but it's our dump. And that's kind of the way the Commanders fans have to look at this thing, that it's a dump, but it's their dump at least for the next several years uh, until they figure out where they're going. So, I, I can't, yeah. I, I look, it, it kind of stinks to drive all the way out there and you can't have, like, the nice beer and then walk across the street to the stadium vibe or whatever. But I like the stadium inside. Like, it feels very... Really? I, it's not my favorite, but I enjoyed the vibe. I thought it was pretty cool. It was easy to get to places. I do have close to the end zone front, but you're I, easy to please. That's, I am. That's the answer because it's horrible. I mean, I think it's it's absolutely a horrible facility. The last time I when I go as a fan in this day and age, I try to make it the best possible experience because I don't go as a fan that much. I'm starting to go a little bit more, but not that much just because of the workload, obviously. But the last one I went to there was the Eagles Commanders game last year. Got off to a great start. Uh, the, the tailgating was excellent. Now, there's not the bars and restaurants around yeah. the stadium. Which I, I need. Uh, which I think a lot of people need, and that would certainly be a component of the new stadium. It, it should, whether it's need or want. It, I, I do think it's important to the fan experience. So, you know, that'll happen in the new stadium. It is not there in this one. There's no doubt about that. But I did enjoy the tailgate atmosphere and the parking lot we were in. I think I've mentioned this a few times. Um, the parking lot we were in, and I don't know if they're all designated like this, but every parking space was a double parking space not a double drink aj you were getting excited there i know um but a double parking space so you could set up your tent or your 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 grill or you know your cornhole or whatever and not infringe on somebody else's space or kind of get in the traffic lanes 
That, uh, which I, I thought was really good. You must have been a Titletown VIP, 20-year uh, vet VIP <laughs> thing, because, no, I we yeah. have parking as well, and it's not there. We don't have to. I, I have no idea how that happened. I think we just picked a color. You know, they have the, the lots are orange, blue, red, whatever, and uh, tailgating permitted is all I kind of remember, and there we were, and you, and there it was. You can tailgate, but it's not... It's not that big of a part. Like I didn't. Yeah, no, this you say double one. parking. No. And it was not far. It was not far a walk either, as as walks to stadiums go. So that was very positive. Like I'm trying to be fair about this because I'm going to bash them as much as I possibly can because I think it's a horrible stadium. Once we got onto the premises of the stadium, everything changed. The complexion, the the griminess, the dimly lit. Um, the the no pizzazz, the no feel, none of that. It was all all gone. You know Our what seats- it's kind of like? It's kind of like the Richmond Coliseum, isn't it? That like walkway <laughs> that that just just yes. a one big circle. You're right. I, well, I, we we lead the region in bad athletic venues between FedEx Field and the old Coliseum, which is boarded up at this point. We don't even talk about it anymore. Um, so anyway, so and our our seats now that's kind of on us a little bit. We picked them. We we bought them off of whichever one, StubHub, you know, SeatGeek, Vivid, all of those um, ticket apps. We're under an overhang that was such a long, low overhang. Couldn't even see the scoreboard. Never saw video boards. Uh, they didn't give you TV monitors to see what you couldn't see when the ball was up in the air. Uh, a terrible experience. Bob, when you come to watch the Eagles game with me coming up, we are at the end zone. You can nice. see the moon. The moon nice. is perfectly above the sky, <laughs> like in front of you. You're going to love these seats. I'm going to love that. I will. Absolutely. We'll, uh, we'll love that. All right. Let's roll here. Uh, we'll keep an eye on the cuts. They're, they're coming in. Everybody had them in by 4 o'clock. Teams are releasing what is now their 53-man roster. Actually, I think that's a little more important at this point than rattling off names of guys we've never heard of that got cut. They're feeling bad enough as it is without us reeling off their names. But doing the opposite, as the commanders did. Kudos to the commanders. They did a good job with their PR today. They got it out as soon as it was ready. Um, they talked about the players released, and then they gave a nice uh, graphical update of, of what their roster looks like right now. So good for the commanders. They're still winning August, right? The calendar's getting ready to flip. Things are going to change. We get to September, but they have won August again. Uh, here's what's happening on today's Sports Huddle. Here's what's coming up on today's Sports Huddle. Just a huge fan of sports. This is the River City Rundown. River City Rundown brought to you by the Richmond chapter of the American Red Cross. During those hot summer months, we've been talking about donating blood and volunteering is crucial to the success of the Red Cross. Would certainly update that to include the tropical storms and hurricanes that are hitting and are threatened to be hitting, particularly in the southeast region, over the next 48 hours or so. To learn how you can help, visit Red Cross. Well, we will continue to talk NFL and the cuts and how the rosters are shaping up as we get a little closer to opening week. The first game next Thursday night, the Lions at the Chiefs, and then the full slate of games um, that second weekend right after Labor Day weekend in September. We will talk some college football today as well. In fact, coming up at 4.30, the longtime voice of the William & Mary tribe, Jay Colley, will join us. They get an opportunity to get a head start on just about everybody. They play Thursday night. Not only do they play a game, they play a conference game on Thursday night against conference newcomer Campbell. 
in the Coastal Athletic Association, the CAA. So Jay will be uh, rolling early here for a Thursday game. So he's going to join us this afternoon. He's got to be feeling pretty good. For all the years he's been doing this and all the great teams they had under Jimmy Laycock, uh, this is a pretty good two-year stretch that they are in and are going to be in, it appears. A great team last year that won 11 games, and their preseason like fourth in the nation and the preseason favorite in the CAA this year. Uh, they've got two tremendous defensive players back on the line and a very high-powered offense veteran quarterback and running back uh, they're in store for a big year it would seem in Williamsburg so we're gonna talk with Jay about all of that about 48 hours in advance of the tribes opener against Campbell on Thursday night uh, Jay's our only guest today so that leaves it wide open for us 804-327-0888 as we take you up until six o'clock this afternoon uh, Braves baseball comes your way again tonight they are out in uh, Colorado. So we'll have that game for you later this evening coming up. Uh, what is that? An 840 first pitch time. So 825 airtime. My good friend Charlie Morton once again on the mound. Man, it's unbelievable. It just feels like every time I promote a Braves game, Charlie Morton is pitching. It's either Morton or Strider. Uh, and why not? They're, they're two great pitchers. Morton's got 13 wins on the year. He's pitching tonight um, for Atlanta. All right, let's get a break in here. 418, we'll come back. I'm going to scour the waiver wire and the cut wire a little bit more during the break, see if we come up with some names that we should be talking about as NFL teams hit 53 today. We'll get into some more college football, the UVA-Tennessee game, Virginia Tech-Old Dominion, Richmond at home against Morgan State, uh, William Mary, we mentioned them. Uh, JMU opens with uh, Bucknell this weekend. I'm sure I'm leaving some out. Randolph-Macon, we had Pedro Ruza on last week, their head coach. We'll, we'll talk about them a little bit as well so plenty of football talk coming up and of course you know i'll slide in a little more baseball as well 418 on the sports huddle tuesday afternoon 1061 espn as the braves roll toward the 2023 postseason there is one goal in mind a world series title they still have plenty of obstacles to clear before that and you can hear all the action here on your exclusive home for the atlanta braves in the capital city 1061 espn richmond So I was eavesdropping a little bit on Matt's Border-to-Border uh, border show today, and he was correct, A.J., when he mentioned that we were talking yesterday about the line on the Virginia-Tennessee game, and I think it's it's 28, I believe, is, is the line, obviously, for Tennessee. And, and Matt said, you know, he he, he will cover. He will take tennis, uh, Virginia, I uh, beg your pardon, to cover. And I think he, he said he picked 31 to 10, right? as as the yeah, final yeah. and that is what he said so they would because i'm looking at the line updated right now at least on espn.com and it's still 28 for tennessee plot twist the man knows his college football he does but he's like really down on virginia and yet he's taking him to cover against tennessee and i heard him mention it's sold out there in nashville and by the way knoxville is not far from nashville we're talking yeah. Um, less than two hours. Yeah, we had we had a geographical conversation. Yeah. Did, did we get them squared away and straightened up there? I mean, it's basically a Tennessee home game. Nashville's one of my towns, man. I told him I was gonna I was gonna bring him up there and show him around. Me too. I I love Nashville. I think I mean, my my son went to grad school at Belmont right there in Nashville and had two or three uh, opportunities to go visit him down there, and it was it was fun times. Very much so. All those uh, country music singers that have those bars named after them, you know, right? Down, down there along Broadway, and they have the, the rooftop bars. That's good stuff right there. 
So they're restaurants too. I'm not just going to places to drink all the time. I don't want people getting that reputation. Anything like that. That that's the town to do it. Like that New Orleans is is low key two of my favorite cities. See, I like Nashville better than New Orleans. Like I, I mean, I've been to New Orleans several times. I I think I prefer Nashville actually um, to to uh, to New Orleans. But anyway, I wouldn't 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 mind either one of them. Uh, wouldn't mind going to see an NFL game in either one of those cities. Actually, so anyway, uh, all right. So that's the Virginia Tennessee. What's that? Uh, that's the Virginia Tennessee game. Virginia Tech, Old Dominion. So Virginia and Tennessee started off on Saturday, and basically Old Dominion and Virginia Tech finish it up. At least when it comes to Commonwealth games in the state. The Tennessee-Virginia game is the earliest, along with Randolph-Macon and uh, North Carolina-Wesleyan at noon. And then the last game is Old Dominion at Virginia Tech, which is the 8 o'clock game Saturday night. All right, let me get to the phones. Before we get to the break, Jay Cowley, the voice of the tribe, going to join us coming up here in just a moment. We mentioned they open on Thursday at Campbell at 7 o'clock. Reggie, you're online and on the air with us this afternoon. Hello, Reg. Hey, young man, Tennessee is definitely one of my favorite states. Before she was my wife, my fiance, I was at Algeria Airlines every two weeks. I said, woman, I'm coming home to get you, girl, back Calgon. I'm getting you away. You bring it back to Virginia. <laughs> and the rest is history, as they say. They lived happily ever That's after. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, well, I'm trying to be happy. I don't know about her. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> trying to make her happy, you know, happy wife, happy life. You know how that is, right, Bob? Oh yeah, <laughs> you got that right. What's so, up? Bob, uh, Coach Wilson, I hope uh, Morgan State gonna get a nice check. I'm a little worried about my brother and uh, me coming up here. <laughs> then the following week, y'all get a nice check from uh, Michigan State. Yeah, uh, I don't you know. Gonna put the brothers as far as getting paid. <laughs> I don't know what the I don't know what the price tag is. I know what the price tag is. On, I'm pretty sure I know the price tag on the Michigan State game, but I do not know what we are paying uh, Morgan State to come to Robin Stadium this week. And I had a really cool. nice chat with uh, with Coach uh, uh, Wilson. Wilson. Yeah, on uh, on yesterday on Monday we we did a, a yeah, Zoom call with our broadcasters, and uh, he's he's really I think he he's got the right blueprint there. Uh, Reggie, I, I don't know that it's going to happen this year. This is his second year at Morgan State. Yeah, uh, hopefully he yeah. can surprise yeah. some people in the MEAC. How about that? Well, I mean, Bob, just be honest. The facilities with the MEAC are not on par with the Big South, where either CAA or whatever it is, Cognac Service. And I'm happy that I'm praying no major injuries happen, but I'm happy to get a nice payday for Richmond because they really need it. Yeah, it's I mean, they're going like to come in here looking to compete. I, I, I think he feels like yeah. he's got some athletes who can compete, um, you know, on both sides. But I think a little more so on the defensive side, actually. I think he feels a little bit better defensive. I think he's just very young, particularly up front. Yeah. I was looking at their depth chart. Today. They got a lot of freshmen on their offensive line. That's not usually a good thing when you have to put true freshmen. No. Well, see, that's something about Coach Brown with Dion because if he can win four games, I'll be shocked. I think they get with TCU um, the first game this week. Colorado, don't they have TCU? Yeah, we went through this uh, last week. I think when Lewis was in producing for AJ, he asked about Colorado because of, you know, because of primetime. And I think Sean and I both went through that schedule and found about four, four, maybe five wins. Maybe on that schedule. Yes, they opened opened at TCU Saturday. Um, mm. Yeah. 
Welcome to the big time. Those yeah. Aflac commercials not going to help him then. <laughs> <laughs> no, it is not. You're right. You're right. All right, Reg. He'll find out he's not the GOAT. <laughs> no, he is not. It, it's it's going to take him a while there. And he's got, like, rivalry games coming up pretty quick, too. He's got Colorado State, but he gets them at home. And USC, he gets them at home. I don't know if that's going to help him or not. Uh, and he gets yeah, Stanford at home. Again on him <laughs> of course, you know, this is his last year, in the first and only year in the Pac-12, so – before they move, oh, yeah. So everyone's going to take it out on them and then say, "Get, get the door! Don't let the door hit you on the way out." So, you all right, Reggie, it. we got to roll before <laughs> the door hits me. Thank you, my friend. Uh, Four twenty-eight of the sports idol timeout. We'll bring it back home a little bit here, and we'll talk some William and Mary football. They're they're going to have a big year, it appears. Jay Colley, the longtime voice of the tribe, joins us next on the sports idol up a whole lot of sports with a whole lot of opinion which means you've got a whole lot of listening to do big al is live from 8 to 10 weekday mornings on 1061 espn richmond we are definitely hyped for the start of the college football season and for most of us that means this weekend, primarily Saturday, but at least for one of us, they get a jump on everybody else because they get a chance to play Thursday night and get it going in which the spotlight will pretty much be all theirs. And by they, I'm talking about the tribe of William & Mary, uh, very highly ranked in all of the FCS preseason polls and deservedly so, coming off an 11-win season last year and all these guys, all these all-conference and all-American standouts that are back and we'll see just how good Mike London's team is beginning Thursday night when William & Mary opens the season in Bowie's Creek, North Carolina against the Campbell Camels, one of the new teams in the CAA. The schedule maker didn't do Campbell any favor by giving them preseason favorite William and Mary for its first game. One of our favorites, the voice of the tribe, Jay Colley, joins us this afternoon. How you doing, my friend? My my junior broadcasting friend, uh, yes. Bob Black. <laughs> I'm doing fine, Bob, and, and just for, for you, I came out to practice right now, so I'm sitting high atop Zabel Stadium overlooking the tribe practice and getting ready for the big game, the big tilt down at Campbell <laughs> on Thursday night. I can hear the excitement in your voice, and you're giving us that eyewitness perspective that only you can give us from practice. Don't give us too many secrets. I don't want Coach London on my you know, Coach London. You know Coach London. If I, if I tell you what color uniforms you're wearing, he's not going to be happy. But I won't we'll, we'll digress there. Go ahead. Uh, hey, Jay, when I was mentioning to, to the audience a little earlier in the hour that you were coming on at 430, and I said, you know, he, Jay's been around a long time. He went through some great teams and great um, windows of teams with Jimmy Lightcock at William & Mary, but but I wonder how you kind of frame what you're in the midst of right now between, you know, last year and this year. I know the window's smaller than under Coach Laycock for the time being, but this is pretty heady stuff for the Tribe. It is, Bob, and it's been a long time coming, as you, as you well know. I mean, the last time the Tribe made the playoffs was 2015, last year advancing with uh, 10 regular season wins and then a win in the playoffs and a, uh, a loss in the quarterfinals out there at Montana. And speaking of Coach Laycock, he is here at practice today, and he comes out to practice quite a bit. I was just talking to him, and he said, I said, Coach, you want me to, to give you the phone because Bob is going to be talking to me about tribe football. He said, no, Jay, because uh, I, the first thing I would say was I'd be, I'm talking to a real uh, a broadcaster. But anyway, <laughs> I, I, I move on from that. Uh, but um, you're right. We, we're talking about some, some heady numbers for this team. Not only 
did the tribe average 265 yards on the ground last year, which, as you well know, is just unheard of in, in modern-day football, uh, but also only gave up less than 20, yards, uh, 20 points per game last year. So it was truly an offense and defensive juggernaut that Coach London uh, has uh, assembled. Um, eight returning starters on offense, seven slash eight on defense. Uh, the two deep uh, depth chart is is uh, um, is, is very very uh, uh, mature and got a lot of snaps underneath him. I'm looking at a guy like Isaiah Jones. Not even talking about John Pius and in uh, uh, Nate Lynn, the two All American candidates for the tribe. But a guy like Isaiah Jones, I think he started every. Uh, game at, at, at linebacker since the turn of the century. I mean, we've got some veterans on that defensive side of the football. So where does it all start for you guys? I mean, I know coaches love to say, oh, it starts in the trenches. We win games in the yeah. trenches. You mentioned uh, Landon Pius, obviously, on that on that defensive line. If you were to kind of go inside out with what's making this football team so good, you know, where are you kind of starting with these guys? Well, I mean, Look, you do a sports talk show, and I've never done one, but what's the number one position in every level of football all the way to the NFL? It's quarterback. So you've oh, got Jay, to you can now do a sports talk show. Okay. You got that question right. You can now do a sports talk show. Darius Wilson uh, is, uh, I feel like, uh, the all the best quarterback in this league. Now, a guy named Poffenberger, we'll see him at all. is very good. Um, but Darius Wilson has all the tools. He's smart. He's got uh, great legs. He can run the football. He, he's got great, great football IQ, as Coach London says. And, and, oh, by the way, he can pass it as well. And he's got some pretty good uh, talent up front to give him time. I mean, yes, the guy, uh, the team lost Colby Sorsdahl, who just signed a, a nice contract with the Detroit Lions in the NFL. But Marcus Crowell, who was injured last year and who was an all-CA mm-hmm. player two years ago, will fill in nicely at that tackle spot. Uh, so it seems – so you got to start at, at quarterback. I guess that's what the answer uh, to your question was. But Bronson Yoder is a special running back as well. Uh, no, wait Bronson, a minute, Jay. Wait a minute. Bronson Yoder, he was there at the turn of the century, too. What the heck is going <laughs> smoking, on here? Smoking like a spider. <laughs> yes, exactly. Are you um, kidding? See, that's the greatest compliment you can give an opposing player, though, when yeah, you say he's like been he there never, for – Yes. Isn't that the case? And, yes. you know, we've, we've seen a few of those. Exactly, Bob. And, he, you know, he got over 1,200 yards on the ground last year, and he was complimented by, complimented by a guy named uh, um, um, uh, Malachi Emo, mm-hmm. who is, is a dart uh, on the field, um, can run through the tiniest of holes, rush for, I think, six 700 yards, one of our leading scores. A very balanced attack for uh, offense coordinator Christian Taylor to, to call on uh, this season. Hey, Jay, I know this is a new team. It's a different team, right? It's not, it has a different personality and identity than last year's team. Uh, how much do you think these guys, at some point in the back of their mind, will harken back to last year on two front to help them this year? And that, that's kind of my point here. The experience of winning 11 games and the confidence it gives you or the bad taste in their mouth from that last game? I don't think I'm telling any secrets here. Um, I had uh, We had the media day at the football uh, uh, the Jimmy Laycock Center, actually, uh, today. And in their co- big conference room where all the guys could huddle, they were not there, but Coach London was, there's a chalkboard. And the chalkboard says 55-7. <laughs> That's been there since probably at the end of, end of the season last year. Mm-hmm. So they are reminded every day they have a team meeting what the final score of the, their final game was, Bob. Um, 
pretty insightful, I think. I mean, if it had been me, I would have erased it and said, forget about it. You know, we're better than that, blah, blah, blah. But Coach London clearly not, is not me. I mean, he, he motivates, he's a wonderful motivator. And I think we're going to go into this game on Thursday night remembering that score. So, Jay, let me ask you about this one then, because I don't think coaches care, at least the beginning of the season, end of the season. So your preseason, whatever, I think I've seen as high as four uh, preseason. Yeah, three, three, three in a couple places. Yeah. Right, yep. right. So now how important is it to stay up there this time around so that you don't have to make the type of trip that you made last year? Because Richmond did the same thing, and they had to go yep. across country as well. And that's yep. tough. Yep. At that time of year, weather, travel, your body's already worn down because you played 11, 12 games. To make sure you're as high in those rankings as you possibly can be to get home games when it gets to November and December. Look, we could go back and, and, and dissect last year, but the, the mantra on this year's team is is uh, Elon game. The Elon game at William & Mary mm, yeah. that the Tribe lost, uh, we feel like cost us a, a home uh, a home home games throughout the playoffs. So yeah. clearly every game counts. But I also, I, look, you know, I've been around a while. We've already been over that. Um, <laughs> we, we, you go look at an 11-, 12-game schedule, and you cannot expect to win every one. I don't think – even a, a team as talented as this, it is the CAA after all. So, you know, to come out and say you cannot ha- be, be, have a blemish on your schedule, I think is a little bit far-fetched. Now, it may be that way, and clearly every team takes it one week at a time, but will it need? Will, will the Tribe need to have an unblemished schedule in order to get a home, home, home field advantage the entire playoffs? Who knows? Will the Tribe make the playoffs? I mean, Bob... This league, I would love to go back 20 years and look at the prognosticators because it seems to me in my old brain that more often than not, the teams that were picked in the bottom five finish somewhere in the top five, and somebody, two or three teams in the top three or four finish towards the end of the pack each and every year. And I think there's a reason for that. It's tough to predict FCS football because of, of in, what the injuries can do and, and, and in this case, what um, transfers can do. I mean, this team we're playing, Campbell's got 17 FBS transfers that, that are coming down from uh, wherever they came from. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they're a completely different team than the Tribe beat last year in Williamsburg 37-22, to for instance. Yeah, I, I think that makes them scary. I do. The great unknown there, particularly in week one um, and the impact that all those transfers that, that you mentioned will have on, on that particular game. And, and you know, you said, I right, go back 20 years and somebody at the bottom of the league is going to be in the top. I think you're absolutely right about that. But you and I go back even more than 20 years. And the CAA yes, today... <laughs> Yes, we do. It uh, doesn't need to be documented any more than you and I have already done that. Uh, the CAA today is not what the CAA was back then. I, I just wonder your thoughts on where the CAA has gone at this point. We're, we're talking about a Campbell now and a Monmouth now and a Hampton and an NCA&T, and this is, this is an entirely different framework of the CAA than, than what we are used to. Let's put it that way. You know, I don't know how much time – you have allotted for me, but I, I could make a, you know, 15 minute diatribe on what you just said. I, I, I try not to because back 40 some odd years ago when I started broadcasting William Mary games, I heard from, um, let's just say older alums that, oh, we're not playing the schedule we used to. We used to play Virginia Tech and Virginia and Wake Forest and almost an ACC schedule in the 60s and 70s. And I'm thinking, well, times have changed. You know, we're not uh, the, 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 the powers that be elected not to 
go to the, at that time, Division uh, 1A level, I think it was called, if I'm, my memory serves me right. So that decision was made. Well, fast forward 40 years, and there's some teams, the JMUs of the world, the Old Dominions of the world, have elected to move up to the FBS level. And, and well, you may, may or may not play those uh, teams uh, down the road, but it, it'll be a different level, uh, clearly for all the reasons. They'll have more money and more scholarships. But to answer your question directly, I still think, even with the, the nuances of the teams in this league, the CA should be able to hold itself with most every team, or every league, I should say, in, in uh, FCS football. I don't know if you agree with that statement or not. Uh, I think the playoffs pretty much prove that, other than, you know, the elephants in the room, which is, is the Montana teams and the teams that play in that, that, that western part of the country. Uh, but everybody else, the, the, the CA should continue to hold its own to. And if you are best in the CAA or one of the top three or four teams in the CAA, I think you deserve a playoff berth and, and, and have, a, have a real chance to go to that. Yeah, I, I'm I'm with you, and I mean, I would I would cut to the chase. I think the league is too big at this point. I understand why it was done because there is power in numbers, and realignment eventually hits everybody. I know we're talking about you know the Pac-12 and the ACC and the Big Ten, but at some point it'll trickle down, and you want to be in the most powerful position you can be. So I can understand quantity in that situation. Here's what I'm going to say to you, Jay. And I looked at your schedule, and I didn't realize, but here's the crying shame in the schedules, the way they're laid out now, neither Richmond or William & Mary plays either Delaware or Villanova this year. And to me, that just can't happen for this to be the league that we want it to be. How's that for a strong I, I, statement? I agree. First thing I looked at, Bob, that that truly is, is a remarkable statement. And uh, nor does the Tribe play New Hampshire, uh, which has also been a great rivalry yep. over the years uh, mm-hmm. with, with the Tribe. So, you know, you got that. You know, I, I suspect I, I, clearly uh, it's going to be unbalanced. I mean, there's, for goodness sake, 16 teams in the league. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, clearly it's going to be unbalanced. I don't know where the league is going with with that angle. Um, but hopefully the cooler heads will prevail and athletic directors will get together and say, look, you know, we do want to draw some fans to these games and the Villanovas and the Richmonds and the Delawares in the world not only bring fans to Williamsburg, but also – um, uh, excite the fan base. Yeah. Um, and with those teams not on the schedule, clearly the Richmond wins, but Richmond's away this year. So the home schedule, you know, doesn't really have a tremendous amount of. Um, um, no, I'm sorry. Richmond's home this year. The Richmond is home. Right. This year. So you at least um, you you're you're right on it though. You do get Richmond at home. We don't, and we don't get Delaware yeah. or Villanova either. Like the the home yeah. schedules for both of us are not yep. selling a whole lot of tickets. Let's be honest. Yeah. It's not at yep. Richmond, and it's not at William and Mary either. Right, right. Yeah. That's, and that's uh, at some point in time that's got to that's got to raise its ugly head. I mean, yeah. uh, with yeah. with uh, but but then again, if you're the head coach, you know, do you really yeah. want to play Delaware, Villanova, right. and Richmond, and right. New Hampshire every year, and then you know somebody else is uh, playing the other teams? And I yeah. won't name them because you know they, we it's from, again from year in and year out, you don't know who's going to be good or not on this level, but you can pretty much bet that Delaware and Villanova are going to be competitive in this league each and every year. Absolutely. And I agree with you. Mike London and Russ Huseman, who are old colleagues and great friends, would bite their tongue here and say, yeah, yeah, no, we're not putting people in the seats, but this is a favorable schedule on paper. we got to go out and win them, obviously, but it is a favorable schedule on paper. Having said that, Jay, in our last couple of minutes here, um, 
what does that do to the significance of your Virginia game? I mean, it's always a big deal. It's always a lot of fun. Uh, players at the FCS level always want to play that game. Um, and I was, somebody asked me about this the other day. When you play an FBS, if you lose, it doesn't really hurt you that much. Uh, even if Virginia struggles, it really won't hurt you that much. But if you can win that game, and William & Mary will have a legitimate chance to win that game on October 7th, man, that could really spike you up when it comes to playoff time. It could. I mean, the Tribe went down to Charlotte last year to open up the year and got the FBS win under mm-hmm. uh, right. Coach London, and, and uh, it seemed to catapult us into the you know talking. I think the Tribe was maybe rated 17th or 18th going into the season, and I think that shot us up to 10th or 11th or 12th or whatever. But uh, uh, clearly a win over an ACC team would even do more uh, for not only the program but, but, but the rankings. Might would give us a little bit of a slip-up, if you will, um, in in the league, if the tribe does happen to slip up in in the uh, in in conference somewhere, but again, conference schedule is very tough to run the table, particularly in the CAA. Absolutely. All right, Jay. I just heard the sirens, so the periods must be moving <laughs> along there at practice. Did we? So, uh, yeah, they are. They are. Yeah. And I'm I'm watching. I'm learning. I'm learning, coach. I'm learning. I can't wait to hear all of what you've learned on your broadcasts this year. Heading off to Bowie's Creek, are you, for game one on Thursday night? Jay Cowley, the voice of the drive. Have a great call down there, Jay. Long time. The the long time voice. Long time voice. Yes. Put that in front of both of us, and and away we go. Take care, buddy. All right, see you in November. Thank you, Jay. Jay Colley, the voice of the tribe of William & Mary. Not every day we get those guys on the air with us when they're out there watching uh, practice. And uh, this is is, – Probably William Mary's last full go practice today because they'll practice tomorrow and then head on the road tomorrow afternoon or tomorrow night to get to Campbell for the game on on Thursday night. That Richmond game, still a long way off. Saturday, November 18th, the Spiders will be in Williamsburg, and we both hope that there's an awful lot on the line when those two teams meet in Williamsburg. We'll meet again after we take a timeout. We'll get you up to 5 o'clock. ESPN Sports Center update at the top of the hour. We are wide, wide open in hour two of the Sports Huddle. Lock it in with us, 1061 ESPN. The Spiders are fresh off their first playoff berth since 2016 and hungry for more. Follow every first down, pick six, and blocked punt here on the exclusive home for the Richmond Spiders. 1061 ESPN Richmond. I know we've got, you know, potentially some rain, really not in this area as much as uh, some places further south of us, and hopefully everybody's okay there. But the weekend is supposed to be spectacular. Labor Day weekend and uh, college football. If you're going to any of the games in in our area, uh, you're probably in for a treat weather-wise. Temperatures in the mid-80s and lots of sunshine. And I know a lot of them are at night. Uh, Richmond, obviously, is, is a night game starting at 6 o'clock. Of course, we still have daylight for the first couple hours of that game. Liberty's at home at night against Bowling Green. Uh, JMU is at 6 o'clock also. That seems to be a pretty popular time. But if you're heading out west a little bit, uh, VMI plays its first game at uh, under Danny Rocco, who we will have on with us later this week. It'll be great to reunite with the former Liberty and Richmond coach and Delaware coach who has taken over the reins there at VMI. They open with Davidson, which is kind of interesting. Davidson uh, was a playoff team last year out of the Patriot League, played Richmond in that playoff game to start it. So Davidson at VMI, that's a 130 game 
out there in Lexington. It'll be nice and warm and sunny. Uh, Hamden Sydney is at home as well to uh, start the last year of the Mar- Marty Favrette era there in, in uh, Farmville. And as we mentioned, Randolph Macon is actually on the road down in uh, in North Carolina at North Carolina Wesleyan. So good weather for college football uh, come, for whatever coming up this weekend, whether it's college football or maybe some more baseball, that kind of thing. Um, Braves are on the road at, at Colorado. They won big last night uh the biggest problem with last night did you see ronald acuna got got attacked by fans who came on the field they kind of stumbled into him and you know the usual stuff you don't get to see it on tv they don't want to show those people acuna was fine he was all right the fans were arrested and and the game went on and the braves had many more hits than than that they had 18 hits last night in knocking off the, the colorado rockies 14 uh two four uh, all right thanks again to jake collie What's that? It gets wild in Hotlanta. Uh, the game wasn't in Hotlanta, though. Uh, they travel. They do. They they were in <laughs> they just, were in the Rocky Mountains. I meant the fans. Oh, I've, the fans I'm get wild. I'm just trying to save myself. Yeah, <laughs> it's okay. So I, I know where you're going with that. It's all right. Um, yeah, the, the fans in Colorado have had a long year, so they were taking it out. Yeah, they're one of the worst teams in baseball, so they took it out on the best team in baseball. Braves got their 85th win of the season last night man they are uh coasting i gotta start looking for that magic number for the braves i know we haven't maybe when we hit september that will happen and uh you know we'll we'll that big old number 12 next to the phillies just keeps sitting there doesn't it the game is behind yeah yeah you know i don't even bother with that column much anymore aj to be honest with you uh but if i if you go to just the wild card standings that i enjoy that a lot more because then the (laughs) phillies are phillies are in first place and the number the number changes quickly from that twelve from that minus twelve to plus four and a half. Yep, and that's where the upsets happen. It could. And they were talking last night about normally there is a wild card team that makes a run deep into the into the playoffs. Uh, Washington did it the year it won the World Series. Philadelphia did it last year to get to the World Series. So they're hoping that's what's gonna that's what's gonna happen again. So Phil's are in pretty good shape right now. Um, the Braves have just done cruise control, and they keep winning games. They, they've had a good road trip again uh, out west where it's not easy to win. So they're still zeroed in, and they're still very much focused, um, those Atlanta Braves are. And you can focus on them as well. You'll hear them tonight, 841st pitch time from Colorado. All right, one hour down, one hour to go on the Tuesday Sports Huddle. We'll come back. Yes, some more football talk. Continue to scour the waiver wires, the cutdown day. All of that, plus some college football talk for you and a little more baseball as well. And whatever's on your mind, love to hear from you. 804-327-0888. When the Sports Huddle returns next. Ray Maliotta here for eBay 